paper. But if you'd like to take notes, I'd love to help you with that. Have a few points. I've got a few scriptures. I'll point those out as we go through, and you'll be able to stay with me. The topic we're talking about this evening is the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Servanthood, service, and being a servant can be kind of confusing. They, it's difficult sometimes to understand what's really being talked about. So what does it mean? What is servanthood? Who are we to serve? Why? And what does the Bible say about it? We're not currently meeting as a church body. So how does this topic even apply to our situation? Can we really be servants of Jesus Christ if we're not attending a church service? And what about that use of that word church service? That's confusing too. Is it the same service we're talking about here? Can you fulfill your calling as a servant if you just come and attend a service? So who sets the terms for the agreement to serve? Do we decide what area we want to serve in and how long and how often? The same as a job agreement or a contract. Do we decide even who we're going to serve? And what's in it for us? I know that doesn't sound very much like a servant's attitude, but it's still a good question. What is the reward of being his servant? I'm reminded of this phrase, this thing I've read and loved in a children's book. I've discovered a way to stay friends forever. There's really nothing to it. I simply tell you what to do, and you do it. That's Shel Silverstein. I love that. But you know, Jesus says something close to that in John 15 and 14. He said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Hmm. The best I understand about friends, that's not really uh, the same understanding of what Jesus meant. Jesus meant something different about friends, and he's talking about service, servants, and servanthood. So let's find out what the Bible says. That's always the best place to start. We need God's word to slice and dice right through the confusion and fog and smoke and all the things of this world talks about being a servant. First, it's the way Paul introduced himself over and over again. Hi, I'm Paul, a servant of the Lord. Find it in almost all of his books. It was his highest compliment. This is written to Phoebe, he said, our sister, and a servant of the church. And this one, he said, I'm writing this to Epaphras, one of you, a servant of Christ. James introduced himself as a servant of God. Simon Peter started his letter by saying, I'm a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, he didn't start his letter by calling attention to any special place or advantage he had because he was raised in the same home with Jesus Christ, but instead introduced himself by saying, I'm the servant of Jesus Christ. And the last book, the book of Revelation, John writes, the revelation of Jesus Christ was sent to and signified by his angel to his servant, John. Everywhere in the Bible, 492 times you'll find the word servant, over and over and over again. It's consistent service and being a servant. The most important thing that the Lord can say to you and to me when this life wraps up is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Remember, Jesus chose the form of a servant. He could have chose any form. 
power and prestige, royalty, maybe to be really strong or beautiful or tall. Instead, the word says, he did not come to be served, but to be a servant and chose to take on himself the form of a servant. Look what Matthew chapter 10 verse 24 says. Matthew 10, 24. It says the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. That's an interesting thought to us. Because no Christian in the world today would say they were above the Lord Jesus Christ. No one would say that. Yet, he became a servant and served others at the direction of the Father. If we refuse to serve others, no matter what the reason or the wonderful excuse or the justifiable conversation we have, aren't we acting as though we are above our Lord and Master? I want to say, before I go too much farther, after digging into this topic, I truly feel like a second grader reading college material. I have so much to grow in being a servant. I guess maybe that we'll say that all of our life living for the Lord, that we've never attained or get to a point where we've figured it out. But I hunger to be much more the servant that's described in this word and less what I think about in my own mind and what the world says. Look at John chapter 12, verse 26. John 12 and 26. Jesus said, if a man serve me, let him follow me. Seems to make sense. Going to serve the Lord, follow him. And where I am, Jesus goes on, there will my servant be. So there's a connection point. There's a location that coincides. If any man serve me, now this is the gift, the promise, the reward, him will my father honor. That's John twelve twenty six. So who is the person that wants to be where Jesus is? I'm one of those, and I think you are too. Therefore, the word says, follow Jesus with service. Serve him, and you'll be where he's at. And you'll also have the honor of God in your life. What an incredible promise. You want to be where Jesus is at? Be found serving. Serve the Lord, and you'll be in his location. What does Galatians 5.13 say? It says, for brethren, you've been called into liberty, only in, use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. All right, I haven't exhausted all of the verses, but I'm ready to go to my second point. What does it really mean to serve? That's the question we've got to answer. Everyone has their own definition, even in the Bible times. So let's figure it out. John showed us a measuring device, a a way to gauge, if you will, for how we really love the Lord, but how we love people. That's what John showed. I can tell you if you love the Lord, John said, by how much you love your brother and your sister. Don't say you love the Lord you can't see, that is in heaven, far above, yet you hate your brother and sister that are right here. Here's your gauge, here's your measurement, here's your way to decide. Do you really love the Lord? Then love people. And in the same way, we should serve one another, the word says. You cannot say, not genuinely say, I serve the Lord and refuse to serve people. You can't say, I love him, but I refuse to serve people. Service, to the core of it, means work 
labor, acts of effort, and ministering. So can you be a servant if you attend a service? Not within the definition given in the Bible. Just because you attend a service doesn't mean you are serving. To be considered a helper, you must help. To be considered a lover, you must love somebody. And to be a servant, you must be serving the Lord by doing some action for someone else. Some of the struggle that we have is a confusion with what God has called us to do. The world has corrupted the concept of being a servant and the root understanding and the way to evaluate it if we're serving and why we should. It's just confused. Instead of God's ways, we hear these demands of our flesh and the world around us. This is the thing we hear all the time. Take care of your own. Look out for your own interest. Make yourself happy. God did make us with individual personalities and dreams and giftings and needs, yet somehow service is a key to unlocking a better life in Jesus Christ. The first use of this word servant in the Bible meant a subject, a slave actually, someone who does the work of a servant and was contrasted with lords or those who are rulers in charge. So servants were not in charge, the lords were in charge. Later this word is used for the minister or ambassador of God called and sent by God for some service, particular work. This was especially used of the coming Messiah. He'd be known as, and catch this as it applies to us, as the servant of God, or one who would bring about the kingdom of God, the service and work of God on earth among men. This Messiah that's coming is going to be serving God on earth. That's what his life will be about. The New Testament meaning of the word servant is one who gives himself up for another's will. Those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. Wow, there's a lot of demands here for being a servant. It sounds really great to say, I'm a servant of the Lord. And everybody can say that. The rubber meets the road when you're actually treated like a servant. Ooh. My natural desires and your natural desires are quite opposite. We want the highest position and the best honor. Humanity is interested in beauty, or in my case, brawn. That's kind of a joke, but I can't hear if you're laughing or not. Or brains or bucks. And sometimes people want all three or all of them. Power gets the world's attention. Power gets the world's attention. You ever thought about that? Think about the coming election. People that want to be in power. They already have money. Some of them are already smart. I don't know if any of them are beautiful or have brawn. But they want power. Power gets attention. Wow. We want to be in charge. When my little girl was just a four-year-old, she was in the back seat. Taylor said, I know what I want to be when I grow up. We said, what's that, baby? I want to be a head doctor. My wife, Jennifer, said, do you, do you mean the kind of people that work on someone's heads, like their head is, is hurt? No, no, not that. You mean someone that 
talks to them and find out what's in their head and works on what's in their head, what they're thinking? No, not like that. I want to be the head doctor in charge of all the other doctors. That's what we want from youth. Everybody wants power. We want to be in charge. But that's the opposite of being a servant. If he is the Lord, then he's in charge, and we do his bidding. It's difficult. See how this runs counter to how we think and live. Imagine this. Which way does direction and agenda and a job that needs to be accomplished, which way does that roll? Which way does that go? What's the direction? It all goes one way. It goes from the Lord to the servant. It doesn't go the other way around. So I don't give him my agenda or my direction or tell him the jobs he needs to accomplish. That would make me the Lord and him the servant. Many people use their prayer time like that. Here's a list of things I want you to do today, Jesus. Instead, he's wanting to give us his direction, his agenda, and the jobs he wants us to accomplish because he's the master and we're the servant. What does Luke 12 say? Blessed is that servant. Luke 12, 43. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find him so doing. When the Lord comes, he'll find him actively doing what the master asked him to do. The Amplified gives us this amplification of the word blessed. Prosperous, happy, to be envied. I want that. You want that. You want to be blessed in the Lord's eyes. How can you do that? If you're the servant of the Lord doing what he asked you to do when he comes. Another version says, if the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there'll be a reward. The master will put him in charge of all that he owns. The story continues in Luke 12, 44 through 46. But what if the master says, well, or the servant instead says, the master has delayed his coming. I don't know when he's coming back. He should have been here by now, but he hasn't come yet. Where's he going to be at? And that servant begins to mistreat the other servants, beating them, throwing parties for his friends, and gets drunk. In other words, he's acting as though he doesn't have to answer to anyone and can do whatever his flesh desires. The master, the servant, Jesus said, will come back on a day when he doesn't expect it, an hour when he's not aware of it. He'll be punished, and he'll be placed with unbelievers. Catch what that says. This is a person that was a believer at the beginning of the story and was a servant at the beginning. But because they stopped serving and began to do what they wanted, they've not only lost their place as a servant, but began to be placed in the class of unbelievers. Wow. Jesus says, no servant, no person can serve Two masters. You cannot serve God and money. Mm. Now, Matthew 20 has an interesting story that the same concept of servanthood. We've got two of the disciples or brothers, the sons of Zebedee. Their mother comes to Jesus. She kneels down to him at his feet and she says, Lord, I want my boys to have a special place when you come into your kingdom. They sit in the left hand and the right hand. Oh, she was asking for them to share in his prestige and power, which she assumed would come, that he would one day be known as the Messiah. Her family had strong ambition. And the other ten disciples were, of course, upset about this. They were angry. 
Really, they were upset, though, that they missed out on something. This was jealousy and fear that they were going to lose out. They didn't know much later what this cup to drink and baptism to be baptized with included. Jesus said, they're going to drink that cup. They'll be baptized with this baptism. James is the first one, the first disciple to be killed. And John survived, but suffered many attempts for them to kill him. Position and status, according to Jesus, are not supposed to be that way in the kingdom of God. That's not the way God works. And Jesus told them, you won't operate like this. Whoever wants to be great among you, there's ambition, there's desire, must become a servant. Wow. Opposite of the world then, opposite of the world now. Right now, the world is fight for your rights. Stand up for yourself. Pursue your dreams and desires. Put yourself first. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. Look around and see who has the most power and prestige in any company, any group. In every world system, they are in charge. They are served. They don't serve. They demand that people jump. They control. That's not God's design. That's not his kingdom. The longing for power Position and praise can quickly hurt relationships. It did to the first 12 disciples. It did. It caused anger and frustration. It's the same thing today. Servant living can do the opposite. Instead of division and hurt, truly being a servant brings unity and healing. Remember this point when you're thinking about serving in the kingdom of God, and sometimes you may be thinking of others and how they're serving. Romans 14 and 4 says, Who are you to judge or criticize another man's servant? That servant must answer to his master and not to you. It's my job and your job to answer to the Lord about our service and not start a servant examination business. It's not my job. I've got to put them in the Lord's hand. You and I have a lot to answer to. Lord, how can I serve you? What would you have me to do? Lastly, serving is all about people. Serving's all about people. We serve, or at least supposed to be serving, a God that doesn't get hungry. You see some problems here? Or thirsty? Or doesn't need help? We have a God that's not short on resources, that doesn't need to be encouraged or rebuked. We got a God that doesn't need your compassion or mercy or grace. We have a God that will not be sick or put into a hospital bed or in a prison ward. Yet people are the ones that need all those things. These people can include, like Jesus said, the least of these. The bottom of the barrel. The nobodies. The invisible people. Those that can't pay you back for your kindness or service towards them. Those who no one would sign up to serve. Wow. Serving is all about people. Paul said, I'm not trying to please men but God. Being the servant of God... Being the servant of Christ for Paul sometimes meant not pleasing people. Now that's confusing, isn't it? We just said serving was all about people. For example, Paul had to tell them the truth that they were lost without Jesus, even if that news made his listeners very angry with him. Serving the will of the Father in his kingdom is not always the same as serving what people want us to do. Some people can take advantage of your service and you realize you must answer to the Lord and not to people. That's a distinction there with serving. There's a definite difference between serving the Lord and doing whatever people want you to do. 
The Holy Ghost told Paul no. Not just one time, but twice. He wanted to go into a territory to witness, and he was told no. You would think, why would the Lord ever tell someone not to witness? But just because there was a need didn't mean that it was the right time to do the work or that Paul was the right person to do it. Remember, Jesus told Peter no as well. Peter talked to the Lord after Jesus had an early morning prayer meeting. And Peter had witnessed that night before a successful service. Wow, it was awesome. Jesus healed that night. People, he cast out demons. People were gathered to his front door. It was a powerful ministry moment. Peter said, let's stay right here and keep meeting. They're searching for you, Jesus. Everybody looking for you. What did the Lord say? No, Peter, I've got to go instead to the next towns. I've been called. I've got a higher call than just the demands of the people. So we must serve the Lord by serving people, but at the direction of our master and not the demands of humanity. You can see this. Otherwise, you could drive around all day, give away every dollar you have, every person with a sign by the side of the highway somewhere, a busy road. You could do that until eventually you'd need to get your own sign and join them. Just because people have a need doesn't mean that you should be doing it. We've got to serve his direction and then serve people. Serving the master by serving people. Let's make it real simple. Let's boil it down. Service equals actions to meet the people around us. The needs of the people around us under the direction of the Holy Ghost. Service equals actions to meet the needs of those around us under the direction of the Holy Ghost. By love, we must serve one another. Doing what you want, pursuing your own comfort, and even operating in a ministry because it makes you feel better are more important or gives us some prestige. It has a name. That name is? It's called self-service. It's like the dad who bought a lawnmower for his eight-month-old baby girl. Supposedly bought a lawnmower. She couldn't even walk and definitely did not need or want a lawnmower. No, there's a name for that. It's called self-service. He bought it for himself by buying his little girl a birthday present. It's self-service to put our needs first, our personality first, our demands first. It leads to a life that God did not intend for you. Or me. Here's a conclusion to the whole matter. Let's wrap it up. Here's the whole beautiful thing. Being a servant to the Lord is first being a submission to God, and then, this is a painfully bad part, listen closely, after being submission to God, and then it's being submission to one another. Yikes. Nobody likes that. We want to be in submission to God. I love God. I'm a servant of God. But if I love God and don't love people, then I don't love God, according to the word. If I serve God, I'm a servant of God, but I don't serve anybody under his direction, then I'm not a servant of God. What does Philippians 1 and 4 say? Don't be concerned only with your own interest, but with the interests of others as well. Every child, every child that you and I know can produce a birthday or Christmas wish list with multiple things that they would like to have. You give them. Right now, every adult, every person listening to me this very moment can quickly tell you the things they'd like to have changed in their lives or fixed or different. Most of the time, 
conversation and frustration we have are things that are not changing about us, our family, our finances, or others. Yet, you have a father that knows what things you need. I mean, the things you really need, not just want or think you might be happier if you got them. Seek first the kingdom of God. I hear the call of Jesus Christ. Decide to be a servant of the Lord, doing what he wants to whomever he wants you to serve in whatever location or operation he chooses. And then all these things shall be added unto you. There's a promise of blessings that fall on the servant of the Lord Jesus. Our best possible life, my best possible life and yours, I want that for you, is fulfilling God's purpose for us and his plan for our life. But this only happens if I'm a servant of the Lord. We are literally missing the blessings that he wants for us if we're not the servants of the Lord. Remember, it was Elisha's servant that got to see the hills full of horses and the chariots of fire surrounding them. You want a front row seat to the things of God? I know I do. I want to be there. I want to see what God's doing. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss it in my life or others. I want to be an eyewitness. Who are the eyewitnesses in the Bible? They describe themselves like this. We're the servants of the Most High God. What was the prophecy? Those that know their God in the last days, they'll be strong and do exploits. There's a call of God. It's an odd call. It's a strange call. One you don't hear any company or on the streets anywhere. It's come and serve. It's a call to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to have a measure of trust that he knows what he's doing. But if you believe that, if you believe he is the almighty God, then you can be his servant. Pray with me, would you right now? Almighty God, I thank you for your word. Your word that's holy. Your word that's always right. Your word that's always on time. You know what we need. We're in a battleground. Our church, our world, our our, our government, Lord, we're in a battleground. There's so much uncertainty, confusion, fear is, is and panic reigns supreme among us, Lord. And with all the things we thought were normal and would continue and never stop have at least for right now changed. The world's upside down. We need to go back to our roots, our foundation, and the foundations that you, Lord, are the master and God of our life. You are our Lord. If you call me Lord, you said, Lord Jesus, to your disciples, then why won't you be my servants? I want to be your servant today, Lord, to serve at your discretion, to serve at your direction, to do what you want me to do, to have your blessing, the blessing of your presence, the blessing of doing the work of the Lord. Even when it's maybe not a, a normal or typical work, I pray you bless everyone who hears this word. I pray the Holy Ghost anoints their life. I pray there's a call on their life to respond to the word of God. I ask these things in your wonderful name, in the precious name of Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.